Before we start this episode, um, we just want to do a content warning um, that there is a discussion of assault and um, specifically unwanted fluids from another person on someone's body. Hello and welcome to Season of the Bitch, the feminist podcast that loves to collab with other amazing feminist podcasts. Today we have Zoe, Kellen, and Laura. We are doing a special crossover episode today with the host of a brand new podcast called Yes, a Shipper Podcast. Welcome, A.M. Davis. Hello. Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here. We, uh, A.M. and I have gone back and forth on emails for like several months now, just kind of both like, yeah, yeah, (laughs) both getting really busy and then responding. So I'm very glad that we finally scheduled this. Me too. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Yeah, I would love to introduce myself. So my name is A.M. Davies, and I am the coordinator of Soldiers of Pole. I'm the founder and owner of United Pole Artists, and I just started my new podcast called Yes, a Stripper Podcast. And I also have been a stripper for 17 and a half years up until December of 2018, um, when I had an automobile accident and, um, you know, my life pretty much dramatically changed. And since then, all of these beautiful things have grown out of it, including being more involved with Soldiers of Pole, which is a unionizing effort for strippers across the country and um, also starting this new podcast. So, you know, I have more time on my hands because I'm not spending so much time in the strip clubs and I want to give back to the community that I love so much and find ways to serve them. So that's the journey I'm currently on. Very cool. Yeah, Yeah, that's amazing. Um, So your podcast just came out last week, right? Yeah, my podcast was launched on Wednesday, February 12th, 2020. And it'll come out every Wednesday on hump day. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) That was planned. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What made you decide to start your podcast? Well, I always wanted to have my own podcast. I feel very comfortable speaking. I feel very comfortable speaking in front of a camera. I feel really comfortable interviewing people. Um, And I feel like I just have a lot to say and that I speak well on a lot of the subjects. I'm well-versed. And I, it's like I have so much knowledge and thought inside of me. It just feels like I want to explode if I don't get it out. And so I started doing podcasts in my bedroom. Um, and uh, when I say podcast, right, I'm using air quotes. I would film myself with my phone and on my bed Mm. and my cats were running around tripping wires with their tails. And, you know, I was putting it on YouTube and like, that was my form of podcast. And then I'm, I sort of got discovered and, um, you know, my dream podcast situation came true. And I would say, that the main reason I wanted to do this podcast is because I there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of stigma surrounding sex workers and strippers. And I just really wanted to be 
people to be clear on that. And I wanted strippers to also be clear on what's going on in their world. Um, so it's really, there's a lot of information that just needs to be put in front of people to help. Uh, yeah. And so that's what I want to do. Can you tell us, like, I, I get, I guess, like, do you have, um, other than just talking about sex work generally, do you have, like, something that you feel like when someone asks, like, what is your podcast about? Like, what do you tell them? Well, what I tell them is um, the podcast is about strippers and the amazing things that they do. It's about the classification of sex workers, which I'm against. Um, and we, we talk about that the classification system that we all do as as civilians and as sex workers and why that should be dismantled. We talk about the current climate inside and outside of the strip club. And um, and we just rap with strippers about how they're amazing and the amazing things that they do and how they give back to the world and how they create art or businesses and, you know, to try to. Uh, take away, like, eliminate stigma and misconceptions of who these people really are. Um, so, you know, I want people to understand they ha- they're, they're so beautiful and so wonderful and all the things you see in the media, it's like, you know, the opposite of the truth. That's amazing. Um, yeah. I have so many questions. So one sure. of them is just to make sure that our listeners are all following you with what you're talking about right now. What is the classification system um, that you mentioned? Yeah. So there's all different types of sex work and all different levels of sex work. And strippers are considered sex workers. And some strippers would argue that they're not sex workers um, because of the stigma surrounding sex work they don't want to be labeled as such because it's mm. you know a bad term um and so strippers are on a lower end of the spectrum so i like to look at sex work as a spectrum and i would say you know um strippers are on the lower end and then once you get into escorting that's a little you know on a different part of the spectrum and then um full service sex work is on the highest end of the spectrum and then there's dominatrix and then there's full service sex work that happens on the streets um so there's different types of full service sex work um which most people call prostitution um but if you're a sex worker and you're sensitive to that word you understand that that word is uh not a good word and we can get into that in a minute um so a full service sex worker is someone who uh practices penetration for money and so there's the high-end full service sex worker who you know might charge a thousand dollars for uh a night or whatever and then there's the the street sex worker who is, you know, supporting their drug habit or Mm -hmm. fell into that because it's a means of survival. And to me, um, and to a lot of people I know, that is their choice. It is their body. It is their choice. It is their way of living, whether we like it or agree with it or not. And to classify, well, that type street street sex work is dirty and gross Mm. but you know when I'm getting paid a thousand dollars and wearing Louis Vuittons like that's okay Mm. and that's that's a that's classifying but because as a society we classify each other sex work or not it's like well Mm. what kind of car do you drive and so that same thing happens when people are choosing what to do where to do things with their bodies that makes total sense. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for explaining that. Um, I, I had 
two other questions I wanted to ask just based on your description of what the podcast is about. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first one is, is this a podcast that is primarily directed at sex workers? Or is this a podcast that is intended for a wider audience? I would say a wider audience. However, we do favor sex workers and I do want them to be a large part Mm -hmm. of our audience. But there's a lot of education that needs to happen. And mm. um, it, that's why a larger audience is so important because the idea is, is to give them access to a new perspective, to get them to be like, wait, oh, I never thought of it like that. Like I had this conversation with this, um, like, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I'm just making a point. <laughs> <laughs> with this, with this, like, okay. Yeah. He's like some really like, like important like movie executive like a massive movie production company and he's a white male and we were talking about sex work and um and I was so proud of myself because he would say things about sex work well stripping's not sex work so you're okay there and it's like Mm -hmm. wait a second pump the brakes like I don't give a fuck who you are I'm I'm gonna educate you right now and I had my full service sex worker earrings in and I was like like all the things I'm saying to you I was like yelling into his ear in a really loud bar (laughs) and he pulled back and looked at me and he's like holy shit I never thought of any like any of this this way and I think that changing the perspective of a privileged white male in a very high-end high money-making position in the world just that meant so much more to me than most conversations I have because they're the ones right they they're the ones that need their minds changed or they need to see the real truth the most because they're the ones that make the most decisions about our bodies Mm. and so I've really felt like there was a victory there that day and so the more people like that and just the more people who are just so blind to new perspectives they're the ones that I really want listening Yeah, Uh, that segues really well to the second question that I wanted to ask, which is, especially with regard to people on the left, like, what are the biggest things that you think people on the left need to learn to take away from sex workers' perspectives? Yeah, I think what they should learn is the spectrum that I was speaking about, um, and that I'd really like for them to figure out a way to speak to other people around them. So the more sex worker allies there are Mm -hmm. that aren't sex workers themselves that can be educated on the subject and speak up about it, um, the better that makes our lives at the end of the day. Because ultimately you're more likely, if you're not a sex worker and you've never talked to a sex worker, which most like everyone in their life has talked to a sex worker, they might just not know it. Right. Um, but if, you, if you've just not exposed to that way of living, then it, it might resonate more with you when it's like a friend saying, hey, I learned this and I found this out and this is now what I think about it. That those types of conversations are really important. Mm-hmm. And a sex worker ally, I think the biggest thing for them is to get educated on the subjects and, and to speak on them when you're in a setting and when you hear classist defamatory comments about sex workers and women to stand up for those people definitely yeah hell yeah so i was just uh i was gonna say listening i was watching your first episode on youtube yeah um and one of the things you were talking about with the guests 
What's her name? Was it Danielle? Danielle. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, um, but just checking. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about like how hard it can be for strippers and sex workers in general to come out to their families. Yeah. Um, and one of your arguments that I really liked was talking about how there are actually much, uh, like much heavier safety precautions in a strip club than there are for women in a lot of other situations that we encounter yeah. and like the misconceptions around that. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's quite complicated though. So yeah. while at in one, you know, while at some point I felt the safest, mm-hmm. if I get assaulted, um, I'm not safe anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you're not getting assaulted, you're very safe. Once you get assaulted, it's kind of like the response from management and staff usually, and I can't speak for everyone, is, okay, go home, take a shower and sleep, and we'll see you tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, and, and sexual assault, is it's hard for it to happen there because the bouncers are around a lot. Um, but it depends on where you are. I've been sexually assaulted by a bouncer before. Um, however, it wasn't so, it wasn't aggressive. It was like friendly, you know, again, I'm using air quotes. It was friendly sexual assault, Mm. which makes it very confusing. Right. And so the, when I felt the safest was when I was being walked to and from my car, when, um, when I knew the bouncers were roaming around the room during lap dancing. Um, And when I would get assaulted, I still felt safe because I knew someone was around the corner. Mm. Um, So, you know, and then at Jumbo's where I worked, where I felt very unsafe, those bouncers were slow, not paying attention. The room was always very packed. Mm. Everyone was super drunk and it was a very small room. And the nude strip clubs here in Los Angeles, the bouncers are always roaming around. They're always paying attention. Nobody's really that drunk. People do sneak alcohol, but it's not the same as a bar. Mm. Um, and and there's a lot of cameras. So if something really crazy happens, you have it on camera. Whereas at Jumbo's, a place like Jumbo's, it's a hole in the wall. They don't have any of that. So, you know, yes, I felt very safe. But then one night... Um, is it okay if I say like cuss words and oh set, my god like, yeah gross? okay yes, absolutely so, okay, just make sure. <laughs> um, so one night I um, I had a customer um, come on me um, and it was because he was wearing very thin pants and I didn't know how thin his pants were until we sat down for the lap dance and I told myself okay you got to go easy on this guy because you don't want him to come on you well it didn't matter going easy on him I guess he hadn't jerked off in like six months um I barely touched him I swooped my chest down towards his lap and it was soaking wet and um that was kind of like one of the final straws for me and like you know I wasn't in harm's way but that was a form of assault and um and when I reported it, I they didn't really take me very seriously, Ugh. but no one tried to kick me out. No one was mean to me either, you know, so it's really layered and complicated. Um, and that was the night where they're like, OK, go. They pat me on the head. OK, go take it. Well, their first question was, well, at what point did he uh, pull it out? Like, why did you have him pull it out if you didn't want that <sighs> on you? I was like, OK, I was pissed that they yeah. said that. I was yeah. like, I didn't. And even if I did, if he did pull it out, like, 
Well, if I, if he did pull it out and he came on me, I guess, you know, that's to be expected. But he didn't pull it out. I didn't let that happen. And um, that didn't matter to them. They were just like, all right, go home, get cleaned up, see you tomorrow. That's horrifying. Yeah, yeah. So while, yes, I feel protected and safer in some ways, in other ways, I don't. And it just really depends. And I mean, you gotta understand, this is 17 years of work that I've done. And that's like probably the worst thing that ever happened to me. Mm. You know, so it's a really long time of working. If you think about it in the perspective, perspectively, I worked in nude clubs for almost 17 years. I was taking off my clothes. And only one time did I have a really horrendous thing happen to me. Mm. Now, if you were in college at frat parties for 17 years walking around naked, it might be a different scenario. And that was kind of the distinction and the point I was making Mm. in that episode where I can, yeah, I can walk around nude and not get in trouble. But if I did that at college, like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that goes really well into talking about workers' rights, which is another thing we wanted to talk about. Um, So you mentioned in your intro that you're involved with Soldiers of Pole, the union. Uh, What has, like, what has being involved with that looked like? Yeah, and I'm just, like, so excited um, to hear (laughs) about this. Uh, Could you, just even before you get into what your involvement was, could you tell us just, like, on a basic level, even what, like, a union for workers in an industry like dancing looks like? I can try to tell you what a union for dancers (laughs) looks like. I mean, the scale of which we're trying to do it has never been done before. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So there has been strippers that have unionized in the country before um, once in the early 90s in San Diego. And that union ultimately um, didn't stand because of the type of union that they chose to go with. And I'm not remembering the exact term, um, but I learned about this on Live Nude Girls Unite, which is a documentary. That's what I was about to ask if that was what that was from, because I've seen that a few years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So in that documentary, the lusty lady dancers who ended up unionizing and then turned the lusty lady into a collective, a stripper owned collective, um, they mentioned that they basically were going the opposite of the example of what the San Diego club did, because the the choice that the San Diego club made of the, the type of union they chose ultimately led to their, their failure after a while, because I believe, I can't remember the term, but I believe it was a situation where when a new worker comes in, that they have the option to join the union or not. And of course there's union busting tactics happening from owners and managers to new worker because they don't want the union. So every time a new worker would come in, they would convince the new worker, like, you know, you can join the union if you want, but here's why we think you shouldn't. And then, so ultimately that's why they lost their numbers. Yeah. Um, And so the lusty lady did the complete opposite. They really fought for that not to be the case. Um, And they unionized. And the only reason why that union no longer exists is because Deja Vu, this corporate monster, came in and bought their property um, and bought the land, I believe. Mm. So they weren't able to be there anymore. And that's why it's not there anymore. Um, So those were done in singular clubs. And what we're trying to do right now is like uh, as many clubs as we can. I mean, we've got 
three active campaigns right now. We're about to add a fourth next week. Um, and we're, you know, we've got our eyes on Nevada and we have meetings coming up in San Francisco. Um, and so it's definitely a roller coaster. It's an uphill battle. I mean, it is a daily battle. I'm not going to lie. Um, because they don't understand what their rights are. A lot of the dancers and like, I'm guilty of that too. I didn't know what my rights were in the beginning either. I didn't understand. Like if you had asked me three years ago, if I'd rather be an independent contractor or an employee, I would poo poo employee. All I want to be is an independent contractor. And so I totally get where they're coming from. Um, but what it looks like is every stripper informing themselves of their rights and mm. literally coming together and and dropping any hate that they have for each other and and unifying for one main cause and that is to create better working conditions for every stripper across America and it's going to take a shit ton of work and it already has and it will take more can you tell us where you're located just cuz you were just mentioning these other places and I didn't know how far that is from where you are I'm in Los Angeles okay okay yeah I live in the heart of Hollywood. Yes. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what have some of the like major wins of the union been or like the most exciting things for working on that? Yeah, I think the one of the most recent exciting things is that we've joined with CWA, which is a international union. And um, we're in the process of getting budgeting and, and funding so that we can do the work that we've been doing practically for free this whole time. So that, that happened about a week ago where, you know, they were like, okay, let's do this. Like really let's do this. So mm. we've been, um, working on a proposal for them for several days. It's not like nothing I've ever done before in my life. Um, I would say that I would say that, um, the new clubs that we have new dancers reaching out to us saying, Hey, I'm interested in having an unionization meeting and them coming to us. That's a huge win because in, in the most recent past, it's been, Hey, come on, come on, talk to us. We have info. Mm -hmm. We have snacks. We have pizza. Come, come, come. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been really nice that they, they're like, Hey, so what is it you guys are talking about? So that also feels like a win. Mm. Yeah, that's really exciting. Thank you. Um, so kind of switching gears again a little bit away from sure. the union, but I guess more generally, what do you wish was more included in mainstream conversations about sex work, particularly like when we find ourselves ramping up for this presidential election? Yeah, it's a great question. <laughs> yeah, big yeah. question. Yeah, well... What has been going on recently with pole dancing being so mainstream has actually made things more difficult for sex workers, specifically strippers, because they're the originators of pole dancing. Mm. And the more mainstream pole dancing becomes without the conversation and the education process behind it of the one being of strippers are also pole dancers and that's their choice to have that job and that's they're fine they're a fine group of people yeah and don't and classifying them is dangerous 
um, that that they are having their rights stripped away from them regularly. And if we're going to praise pole dancing and put it up on some of the world's largest stages, then we need to maintain respect for the people who inspired you to get there. Mm. So they, you know, these people walk out onto the main stage of the Super Bowl with JLo's polls. Yeah. But is JLo speaking up for the women who she got the inspiration from? Because Hustlers is about strippers. Right. It's not about pole dancers. Right. And I recently made a post on one of my larger Instagram accounts and I wrote a letter to the celebrities. I wrote, Dear Celebrities, if in, and I'm going to paraphrase here. It basically, if you're using this art form and you're, you know, using it for your glitter and glam, then please use your very loud, powerful voice to stand up for the people who inspired you to to use this activity in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I got a lot of backlash from that. A lot of people are like, "This is a win for pole dancing." That very same night, pole dancers and strippers were robbed of their money by people who hired them to work at the event. And when I say robbed, I mean they literally grabbed their bags of money out of their hand while they pushed the dancer away as she fought for her money. And these videos exist online. You can see this yourself. And so those are the originators of pole dancers, and they're the sex workers that ultimately inspired the pole dance fitness industry. And I know because I'm working on a documentary of the history of pole dancing. So I know exactly how this all got started. They're raising up all these pole dancers, J-Lo, FKA Twigs, on the Grammy stage, mm-hmm. while the real originators of the activity are literally getting assaulted, stolen from, and decimated verbally. They're getting blocked and banned and deleted from social media. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm asking is for celebrities that are using pole dancing in their media and at their concerts to just speak on the topic and to learn from other sex workers, like what is going on and how can I best represent you when I'm speaking to the world? And they're not doing that. A lot of people got mad at me for that post. I literally had chills when you were talking. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Because that's so fucking real. And honestly, oh my God, I literally, this is like a tiny bit, tangential but it is like sure part of a larger part of this larger thing but like literally I had so many middle-aged white women speak to me after the Super Bowl about how they were disgusted with it and that their children were watching and I think that there's this insane like sex phobic deep underbelly of the United States and it's just like I mean I completely agree with you like you're obviously 100% right that like she 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 needs to be using that platform to like pay homage to that and also at the same time we have these like middle-aged white women like pointing their finger at JLo being like look that's a stripper my gotta shield my kids eyes and like we live in this like almost like puritanical hellscape (laughs) I don't know yeah totally yeah the thing is the kid doesn't know that what JLo's doing is like a stripper they don't know. Yeah. They see those they see poles on the playground and they get on them they don't know exactly that Um, That's what those middle-aged women have in their heads. Furthermore, I think uh, 
what Shakira did was way more scandalous. But I mm-hmm. have to tell you, I was crying watching Akira because I was so proud at how many times she pussy pumped to the camera. Yeah. It was like my dream come true. It was incredible. I- <laughs> this oh, was yeah. like the best Super Bowl, like, thing. Oh, my God. I haven't watched it yet. I, I have to go loved watch it. it. <laughs> I truly, I mean, like, yes, I absolutely hear what you're saying about all the things. And also the outfits, every piece of it, I was like, I'm living for every moment. It was incredible. It was so incredible. I have chills just thinking about it. I literally was like crying in a bar filled with people. Like, yes. I'm so proud of her. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. It's and truly... then J-Lo came. And then the polls came out with J-Lo. And I was like immediately like down on the roller coaster. And I was Oof. like, yeah. next. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So intense. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't understand this country's hang up with sex. Um, so it's fact. literally how we got here in the first place of course sex isn't harming your children guns and violence are right i don't understand how you can let your kids play video games where they're decapitating people but a woman's nipples or a woman on a pole you have to shield their eyes from that's really backwards Mm. it means that my body is more dangerous than a, a crazy person wielding a machete right Oh my God. Well, I, it's like, you know, the, the simple thing of movie ratings, right? Where like gun violence can be in PG 13, but if there's nudity, it has to be R. And that's Mm -hmm. just like the exact way that this country is just like so fucked. So, I mean, that's why this is so important. That's why these conversations are so important. And that's why like, I'm so excited about your podcast and like having this continue to hopefully gain traction by having these open conversations about it as a profession and what people are doing. Yeah. That's, that's my goal too. I mean, my, in an ideal world, all sex work would be decriminalized and all sex workers would be um, praised and adored because they're literally the people that take care of your very confused men Yes, they, you know, exactly. <laughs> we shepherd them like you have no idea. Like we literally are saving marriages and the women don't even know it. Of course. You know, yeah. 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 No, yeah. Men are scary. So you're really, truly doing the Lord's work. And <laughs> I, I like I just I like I hate men too much. I, if I feel like if I did it, I would literally be like try to get my aggression out on men and become a dominatrix because I just like would, I couldn't handle shit. Um, anyway, they're they're difficult. They're really hard. You're really doing the best. I can't say it enough. Um, so I guess like we're kind of nearing the end and I just wanted to ask, I know we've touched on this a little bit, but just to like, we like to, you know, get our listeners involved in whatever we're talking about. So how can people who aren't sex workers be better allies to sex workers? I think the best way to be a better ally to sex workers is to make friends with a sex worker and Mm -hmm. and learn about their life and meet their other friends, go to a strip club and um, become a regular and spend money and treat people well and, and talk to them and learn about them so that you yourself can be educated on how to speak and how to speak up against 
rude and ignorant things that people say about sex workers. Like, oh, look at her. She looks like a stripper. or Oh, she looks like a hooker. Like, that's really, that's a really uneducated, um, gross thing to say. Because, so what if she's a stripper or a hooker? What's your problem with that? And so the more you can become friends with other sex workers, the more you get to know them as a person and how wonderful sex workers are. They're wonderful, beautiful people. And I can use one of the producers of my podcast as an example. Her name is Shelly, and she's the reason I have the podcast. Um, She came to Jumbo's Clown Room and didn't know anybody and thought she would never end up in a place like that. And And then she kept returning and kept returning and kept talking to the dancers. And before she knew it, she had a completely different perspective on what being a stripper meant and what who strippers are. And she was one of those people that would make side comments, that would make ignorant comments, that would think a certain way about strippers. And she became friends with them. And now, because Shelly became friends with enough sex workers and strippers, she's helped producing a show that's exposing all of the misconceptions and bullshit that we go through as sex workers. And so she's become a great sex worker ally. And she started by going to a club and making friends with sex workers. Hell yeah. Yeah. Well, I think um, something I was thinking about when I was listening to yours is like something people say a lot about our podcast is that it feels like they're just like sitting in a room, like listening to friends talk. Um, Mm -hmm. And like yours definitely had that vibe of just like, oh, yeah, we're all just like hanging out chatting. So so I think that you definitely are going to be that like sex work friend for a lot of people that are like, wow, I never thought about that. Yeah, it was it was very fun to listen to. That's awesome. I didn't think of that. Yeah, I, I I didn't think of that perspective. I really like that. That makes oh, me yay. feel warm and fuzzy inside. Thank you. Yay. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> love it. Uh, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we we send you on your way? Yeah, I guess you know. Please follow my podcast and tune in to Yes, a Stripper podcast and. Um, learn about the stripper movement that's happening nationwide and, and do everything that you can to support your local strippers because they are going through absolute hell mm-hmm. and they'll never tell you because that's not cute and that ruins the fantasy. So just take care of your strippers. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for taking yeah. the time to chat with us. This was really, really amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It feels yeah. great. Yeah, this was great. Okay, well, that was an awesome interview. Um, I really would recommend her podcast to everyone. I'm so excited to listen to it. Me too. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a really fun conversation, and I love how like every episode of Season of the Bitch ends in us and the guest just being like, "Oh my god, you're so amazing. We love each other." (laughs) (laughs) It's really true. It's just like holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, that's what always happens by the end. (laughs) Um, But yeah, as always, you can rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. You can find us on any other podcast platform. Um, You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Season of the Bee. You can find us on Facebook, kind of. Mm. Um, Facebook sucks. We don't like it. Uh, (laughs) What else is there? You can email us at seasonofthebee at gmail.com. And you can find us at seasonofthebee.com. 
And you can give us all of your money on Patreon. I almost forgot. Always. So important. <laughs> um, yeah. I love you. I love you. I love you. Bye. 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 Bitch.